0: Hello and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast where we share stories, insights and strategies that go beyond some of the numbers we encounter in our work life. I'm Susanne Echidon. I work with organisations who put people first. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't people who bring their full selves to work, and people who won't. And together with my guests, we place a lens on and focus in on the people side of work life. Because we know that it is people who do the work, not numbers. And if we are treated well, we will perform well, and might even generate better numbers.
1: I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Spiros Gussetis. Spiros, you are most welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers.
2: Thank you, Susan. Thank you. I'm very excited being here and certainly excited for our conversation.
1: Yes, me too. And firstly, I was really struck by your LinkedIn profile and your website, where you say that you've enjoyed many corporate related successes and won numerous prestigious awards international awards and for you some of the most fulfilling aspects of your job was coaching your team members looking at your career I can see it's been incredible with multinationals and everything how did coaching teams win your heart (laughs)
2: I was working for many years in multinationals, so I was an expat. And the principles of coaching were taught to us in in many ways, but not, of course, to the way that um, I'm doing it right now. And that was important because we have to deal with uh, different nationalities in different countries. And all of us, we have different agendas during work. I had the original team. So I realized that in order for me to connect with uh, the people, I had to have discussions with them in advance of original meetings that they used to take in another country. I was stationed in, in Dubai. And Saudi Arabia but because a lot of countries were involved and for political reasons, the meetings were happening in Istanbul. So to have successful meetings, I realized that I had to deal with people in advance. And then this is how it started. And I started connecting uh, with them at a very different uh, level. And I saw that they had, as a result of that, I managed to, to influence uh, what I wanted to do in the business, but at the same time, their personal lives. And and it happened, and I did not realize also at the time, it happened later on when uh, you don't think anymore about the numbers or the successes that you have, but people remember the way you made them feel. And and that was for me, not something like um, pride, it was rather a joy, an elation. And it is as if everything that I was taught, everything that I was doing in the business, everything was coming together to have uh, an influence on these people's lives without even realizing that. And, and that is what made me um, go into coaching, which is part of my life right now.
1: And that's fascinating because that really is life beyond the numbers.
2: Exactly. Yes, it is beyond the numbers. We always remember how people make us feel. We don't remember oh my God, we had this presentation over there and the frustration we had at the time and how much I hate that sort of thing. It's nothing to do with that. And, and you, you see it in the reunions <laughs> when, when you see the people or in, uh, in, in, the, in the meetings that you have with them uh, out there, et cetera, or in the phone calls that you've got.
1: And was your approach unusual then at the time Spiros? I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're going back a couple of decades perhaps when you did this first. Were yes. you seen as unusual to contact people and influence before the meeting or was everyone doing this?
2: No, not everyone was doing that. It, it, it requires um, extra time. Everybody is in their own world. Uh, imagine people in different countries right now that they have their own agendas about their careers, about their fears, about their anxieties. So you have to go beyond that. And I realized that if I have to have an objective that has to be fulfilled in the meeting, I had to in advance go and see them and and connect with them at a different level. And and to connect with someone at a different level, it requires, first of all, from myself to have what I know now, it is called radical honesty, or that's how people refer to that. I had to conquer my own um, bitterness and my own resentment of things. And as I was doing that, diminishing these aspects in myself, I was able to to connect with them at a very different level. And, uh, And then we were deciding at the time, what are the degrees of freedom that we could possibly do? Asking the question, so what do you want to do in this meeting? What is your objective? And I would do the same thing with everybody else. And then arriving over there, I knew exactly how I could rely on people. Uh, that we could do things. And and that was very, very successful. And and it took some time to realize also what I was doing. To me, it it came out almost as natural, but it required, from my side, self-sacrifices of my ego. uh, Mm. That's
1: uh, quite a statement, self-sacrificing your own ego.
2: Yes, you do have to do that. This is, this is, I found out in coaching, an effective coach later on, that what needs to do is take his eye down to unself. The, the better word for that is to unself. Because I'm not doing this for myself, I'm doing it for the other. Uh, as I said at the time, I was not thinking exactly on those terms, but I realized that I do have to sacrifice. That's why I said I had to, uh, to address my resentment, my bitterness. And, and also my own ego to be able to. And the moment that the other person senses that, then it is open to discuss at a very different level.
1: Mm. So if you were upset about something that was happening, rather than bringing that upset or bitterness into the meeting, you go in with an open mind to having a proper chat.
2: Yes. And this is the part of the resourceful state. That one needs to be in order to make um, decisions. If you are at a stage where you, you have a fear in you, or anxiety, or stress of any kind, or any limiting belief, it does not allow you, it clouds your mind, it overpowers you. And therefore, if you are not at a stage that you have to be calm and, 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 and collected and, and, and focused, therefore, you are not at a state that you can make rational decision making. It comes out of fear and out of anxiety. And in everything we do is the difference between success and failure. It's a journey. It's it's two actually journeys. One that is happening outside and the one that's happening inside us. So to to be able to to help yourself or someone else, you need to conquer the inside game. The outside Mm -hmm. game is also a facade. (laughs) but, But this facade, as you as I think that most of people and yourself and everybody else we are able to see through that we are not very good actors as we probably think it's in the tone of voice it's in the way that we look it's in uh, aspects of these subtle things that we do that we believe that nobody sees actually people do perceive them that's why someone has been coming across and they say "Oh, he has an authentic genuine interest and some other people say well This is a bit fake. okay. So the moment that they sense that, they themselves kind of uh, raise walls and you can't go through.
1: No, you can't. And as you're speaking there, I'm thinking about workplaces I've been in with raised walls. And if two raised walls (laughs) go into a meeting together, I mean, you don't ever break down those barriers, do you?
2: No, it, it, it is difficult. And, and then everything becomes comes at a standstill. And, and you see this, and, and this is what I found out in, in, in the business before and later on as a, as a business consultant um, as well. We see uh, companies do not compete. Leaders do. Companies do not die. Leaders let them die. And how do they do that? It's because of the way that they think. They want to transform boards, they want to transform their business, but they are not willing to transform themselves. So, and, and this, is, this is the paradox, and this is usually all the time, most, not just most of the time, all the time, is a conflict, something between someone inside him that does not enable to have a choice outside or express themselves outside. It's an internal distortion, and this is what coaching does. comes inside you to understand and see the conflict and tease out the psychological obstacles so that you are able to perform outside in a different manner.
1: And there's been a bit of a stigma around coaching and the term coaching in the corporate world. And it's seen as maybe remedial or to help toxic behaviors. And I, I don't think that's what you're saying. People don't need to be fixed. What they need is someone to help them them understand why they're putting walls up.
2: Coaching did start exactly as you say, uh, and it was like in the better part uh, of uh, the 90s, it was like that. And even in the first decade of 2000, the 21st sen- uh, century, it's, it, it, it started being like that. It was remedial, but then it changed. And at the end of 2010, let's say, as a landmark, you see about 50% to be about developing executives. It's more of the development part and making them by far much more efficient. And it was about 25%, 30% coaching was used as a sounding board. People wanted to talk. Board levels, managers at the board level wanted to discuss to someone or or executives uh, to discuss about what was happening in their lives in the company they had the solutions but they were not exactly sure perhaps how to go about that and they wanted to someone to listen to them someone that he was impartial and it was just a smaller percentage that of coaching that it was addressing toxic behavior so yes it moved by far from fixing something which was uh, very different. And right now it is completely different. Right now that we are in 2021, big companies realize that um, coaching is a positive force of impact, something that can really change um, the organization. So they offer it to the most successful employees or executives in their organization. And it is a way that uh, a company says that this is how I want to connect with you. And this is my commitment to you at the same time, how much I appreciate you. So it has become a badge of honor. Okay, And I, I was reading a, a Harvard Business Review issue that it was saying that coaching is replacing psychology as we know it. in uh, Not psychotherapy, that's a different uh, level, uh, a different kind of approach. But uh, psychology as we know it has been replaced by coaching because it becomes really in, in the world as a force of positive impact. And because of the ways that... Um, It uh, it addresses things. It is perhaps the most effective learning ways that we know.
1: That's that's a huge thing to say, that it's perhaps the most effective way of learning that we know. So why, and and you might not be able to answer this, (laughs) but why do people resist it?
2: Oh, hmm. Resistance. Resistance is futile. I'm just kidding. This is just um, something from a science fiction. Uh, start <laughs> kind of. um, the, why people resist it? People, they have an ego and uh, they do not want to think of their thoughts. And a coach and a leader, what it does best is to make you think of your own thinking. Now, to think of your own thoughts... It is very difficult because, as I heard from someone, that it is like you want to tickle yourself. You know exactly what you're doing, so therefore you stop it. So, so coaching...
1: And it's so impossible.
2: Coaching, it's impossible to tickle yourself. You know what you're doing, you stop it. You can't, you know, so what are you doing? It's the same thing. It's, it is like you, um, uh, you put your brain into the situation to evaluate your thoughts. It's not going to happen. Okay, so the, usually the way that we learn uh, so far, is from the information download. It's, uh, it, it directs in the front part of your brain. So it's a shorter memory. So you take from that whatever you want. It, it is not, it's not going to stay with you necessarily. We learn also with a different way, with fear and under stress. And this is the way that perhaps in the organization, so they say to you, this is the way that we do things. So you better do it this way, therefore, therefore is fear. This is the back part of your brain that there is no creativity. You end up doing things over there just because they told you. It's the same thing that at school, how or how school used to be. The teacher used to say, This is how we do it here. Okay, otherwise you're gonna be punished. So, yes, there is a it's a methodology. You do things, but there is no creativity. The part that it is the, the that you really want to engage is the middle part of your brain that has creativity, but also there is an ego there. So how do you go about that? You go over there with questions and reflections, and the quality of the questions defines the way that your ego will engage or not. And, and a question I would like to, 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 to say, this is, I'm quoting here, Ellie Weiser is a Holocaust survivor, is uh, an American, uh, Romanian author. He said that in the word question, the first part is a beautiful word which is called quest. So we are both in a quest in this case. We are partners in this quest, both the coach and the, the, the coachee. And when we have these uh, quests, this is something that unites us the moment that you bypass you the, the, with rapport and humor you bypass this ego and you create this rapport with the person by the way humor is very important is the chemical foundation of change so you start making them look at what the problems that they, that they have and, and laugh at them because it is a laughable thing. But you do it in a beautiful way and you know that it works. I know it from funerals, Susan. Uh, I, I haven't been in a funeral. that There is no laughter. <laughs> so so and, and why do we do that? Because we exercise the demons. The moment that you put something sad and something which is its opposite together, you loosen the framework of the problem. And this is where the insight comes in. The insight does not come because of me, it comes because of you. I have just loosened up the framework of your belief or your action or your thinking or your depression or your sadness or your um, self worth. Okay. And you come up with something, an insight, which is you that you can. And this is when the change starts. And this is where, when I see it, I stop you. And I just want to make sure that you have noticed that. And then this is the the, the stepping stone to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing that happens. So so this is how it it works, okay? And this is how I bypass the ego. First of all, diminishing, I'm selfing myself. You sense that. You see, I create rapport. There's humor in the whole situation. Then then we move towards the next steps.
1: So it's almost like you're... I don't want to say tricking, but it's the best word I can think of at the moment. It's almost like you're tricking the ego into relaxing.
2: Yes. And allow you to perform. You as a person, you know, it allows you to perform. Because, uh, I mean, we all of us, uh, we, we have all kinds of limiting beliefs. Okay. And, and so how do, do you, and, and a belief is nothing more. There is no power to it. It's only about believing. Belief is a thought that you just accept it as true. Okay, at some point in your life, you accepted that belief, that thought as being true, then it becomes a belief. So if there are good beliefs and bad beliefs, a good belief can make you really thrive and others, they keep you down. All beliefs or limiting beliefs fall under three categories possibility. It is not possible to do that ability, I cannot do that and self worth, I don't deserve that I'm not worthy or whatever. So. This is just at some point in time in your life, you accepted some of those things as being true. So I come over there to just make you think about that. Okay? Their beliefs are also, and, and, and it's very interesting, you know, you can start from things. It was a belief at some point in time that there is Santa Claus. I remember myself, I was devastated when I found out that, 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 that uh, perhaps it's not true. <laughs> I still want to believe in Santa
1: Yeah, well, I suppose we keep it alive, don't we? It's a belief that we all kind of hold on to. Maybe it's there. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, that's that's really it's fascinating. And so I suppose it's back then the resistance to a coaching relationship in the first place. So if coaching again is one of the greatest ways to learn for yourself about yourself. What stops us from looking for coaching or from that quest? Because that's such a beautiful word and way of thinking about it. Many of us think, oh, I don't need coaching. And maybe none of us do. (laughs) But there's still a stigma around it, I think.
2: And not understanding what it can do for you. Together with coaching, I'm using also other methodologies that, like um, Neuro Linguistic Programming, NLP. And uh, the brain is a muscle and it needs training. And uh, NLP does this training, leading you to mental fitness. And and, and and basically what it does, coaching does the same thing as well, but these are different techniques. What it does is allowing you to have choices in your thinking because when you are stuck, you do not have choices. So what is choices? Okay, let's define choice choice from the NLP perspective. It is thinking on purpose. As contrasted to be led by your thoughts, your random thoughts, and your issues. So thinking on purpose means that you have choice. So by actually making sure that you have a purpose. And then how to achieve that purpose, this journey, it happens because you dream of what you want to do. At the same time, you have the, the necessary structures, we, it could be anchoring of, of sorts, or it could be a lot of other things, but uh, structures, that they help you go there. And on the way to the journey, having all that stuff, you need to also have disciplines. Not the ones that you used to have. Motivation. Motivation will start you on the path, but uh, what will get you there are few chosen disciplines that you do every day. Okay, so this is another definition of success. It is the disciplines that you do every day that take you to your purpose. Okay, and this is how I can best define that. But people, they go out of habit. It it is the same thing like at the end of the year, we have some resolutions. You want to do this, that, etc. You put uh, 15 things. Could be even three. Okay, let's say less is more. Let's say that there are these three. But the moment that you have this commitment, you have a desire to get there, habit kicks in, the bad habits. So you have to change those habits and replace them with others. That, that they are more useful. So this is what um, NLP is doing. That's why the definition of NLP is the study of excellence, what it is useful and what consistently works. So to get there, you need structures and you need uh, the discipline. And this is what you do with both
1: NLP and with code. And so I wonder then, Spiros, is it that people think if you are successful in, in your role or what you consider <laughs> successful, perhaps you don't think you can be more successful? Or you don't think that there's more you need to learn? Do people get to a stage where they think, oh, I'm here and everything's great?
2: This is uh, an interesting uh observation that we all of us uh, feel what it is out there you do not know that you are at all times even when you are working when you are at home there is no any enemy out there that you need to conquer you need to conquer basically yourself so you can view it from the point of view that things are happening to you and you have to fight or you can feel that you are in the driver's seat and you want to do something about this. The way that I would like to think about that is that things that are happening, they're happening to me for a reason that I want to learn something. So it is the best way to look at that. It is like a a virtual video game with ascending competence levels, of course. And and, uh, this uh, virtual a video game—it is your life, it is uh, yourself, and you are competing against the best version of yourself in these ascending levels of competence. So I view these different competence levels as these lessons that life gives to me. Could be from driving in the morning, and I see someone that uh, is driving in an erratic way, and I can say, "What the hell is going on? Uh, this guy is going to kill me, and is going to create so much suffering." I can, at the same time, first level of understanding, probably he has an emergency, okay? But the second level of understanding, based on the video game, is this guy is providing me with an opportunity of self-control, okay? He provides me with an opportunity to be calm in the space of, of, of this happening out there. So I do not see it as a misfortune. I actually welcome that because it's going to give me the opportunity to practice skills that perhaps I do not possess. And sure, sooner or later, I'm going to face that either at home or at work. So imagine that I come trained from the the traffic at work, not frustrated, but being really a very different person that I was before left the house, you know.
1: And that comes back to the (laughs) thinking on purpose. Yes. You have to catch yourself in that moment and think purposefully about getting to the next level.
2: <laughs> yes, and, and, and you can have in, in your life different things. You can have professional things that you would like to attain and you would like or, or perhaps yeah, things that in, in, in your personal life, both personal and, and professional. And, and something very important for, uh, about business coaching that I would like to say in this particular case is that past performance and demonstrated skills is not a precondition of a future success. And and the same thing applies in our personal lives. Just because we were successful with the first kid that we had in life, that does not mean that I'm going to be successful with the second one. Or just because the first part of my life being married, it was successful, that does not mean that I'm going to continue like that. So, you need to have, as I said, this is a video game about your life. You do not compete with your wife, you do not compete with your kids, you do not compete with your boss at work. You're competing against yourself and against to become the best version of you. You referred to that before also of what is being expected from perhaps... Uh, people in the working environment of how in the past coaching was for toxic behavior. And then it moved into something very different. And right now it has become a force of positive impact. How do you choose people in during, let's say, an interview to have these particular traits that they can be a force of positive impact and they have the potential? Or how do you make the potentials, the high potentials within your work what you can learn from them and how you can make them start working against the best version of themselves, becoming the best version of themselves. This is where coaching comes. Mm. And there are certain traits and skills that people need to develop as a result of that.
1: And the working environment. Yeah. Being the ver- best version of yourself is also, I would think, about being the best human being. That you can be
2: yes this is the outcome because you have come to the point to make meaning out of your experiences and this is what I call the difference that makes the difference this particular aspects the insights as as, as uh, coaching is being called a self-directed uh, insight-based learning you start getting insights about yourself and, and you're doing it to yourself during coaching. You, you you see that. And then because you make meaning of the experiences that you have, then yes, you become a much better person for yourself and of course for the society, for your work, for your personal life.
1: Yeah, I, the ripple effects for your colleagues, for your home life, for your family, your community are huge.
2: Yes, it is. And
1: it starts with you.
2: Absolutely. You are the change that basically uh, fuels everything else in your life.
1: So if you're sitting in a workplace now thinking, oh, my boss is an idiot and my colleagues don't understand me. And, you know, Susan, I can't talk to her. She's so difficult. And Spiros just laughs at everything. You're looking outside at everyone else for what you're not getting
2: exactly and in fact the, it is you that you need to and i'm not talking about not being emotional or exhibiting emotions which is of course in the work environment is very different and i i drive a distinction between emotion and emotionalism two different things you need to be in control of your emotions because this is a requisite for excellent leadership but if you are in control of yourself at a resourceful state when you are calm and collected, which as a result of coaching you achieve because you are becoming a better version of yourself, then you can verbalize your frustration and you can be understood of why a certain behavior of a colleague or of a boss or whatever, it is not what it's supposed to be, but you do it from a place of strength. You don't do it from an emotion of anger or fear or anxiety because I'm going to lose my job, because I do not know what, because I'm not worth it, or because whatever. You do it from a place of strength, and then you will be understood. Even raising slightly your voice, you will say what you want to say, and the message will be clear and loud, irrespective of what stage in the ladder or the hierarchy of a business you are, or even at home.
1: It's powerful, really. The self-awareness and self-growth and this video game analogy makes so much sense.
2: It's your competence level. Yeah. It's like Pac-Man. I remember Pac-Man It was the, one of the first uh, black and white video games that you used to go to different uh, competence levels. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very powerful if you think about that. You conquer your own self, your yeah. own uh, yeah, your own weaknesses.
1: And you let other people conquer their own selves rather than you conquering them?
2: Yes, this is what I understood in practice in the corporate world in different industries because I have worked both in, in Unilever, which is fast-moving consumer goods and in consumer electronics. It doesn't really matter, the company. It does not matter the value that the company has. It's the people that they make companies anyway. So you deal with the same problems all the time. You deal with the same people. Different nationalities, different. We're all the same. No change. Less or more ego is not going to make a uh, difference.
1: It's true, isn't it? Uh,
2: we're the same people.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things I've always found. And I've worked in many countries and lived in different places. And people are just people wherever you go. Exactly. And But we spend a lot of our lives competing with with others, or comparing with others as opposed to looking within.
2: Attributing the misfortunes that are happening to our lives to something which is outside of us.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: The attribution is all that that makes a difference. So, do you want to be a passenger in a car that does not know where it goes? Do you want to be part of the plan of someone else? Because I can tell you right now, he, has not have much, he does not have much thought about your own life. So you need to think about it yourself, being in the driver's seat and therefore accepting responsibility, which is important because willpower in itself is not going to do it, by the way. You cannot will change. You have to practice it. And it's internal.
1: It's so true. You could sit here and think, oh, I'm, I'm going to get fitter or I'm going to get faster or whatever and you could will it but that's not going to happen
2: Jackie. Exactly. that's that is why when i hear about the other disciplines that they talk about affirmations i would say affirmations are nice because it is part of the the, 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 the willpower that you put behind it but they need to have practice with it that's why when coaching takes place, and when I talked about these uh, structures, it's not just anchoring, it's also tasking. You're asking someone to do certain things that they perhaps have not done in their lives before, because they need to have the confidence that they can do things. And cognition comes later on. First, they have to act. So you do that. But why should I do Just do it. Okay? <laughs> Don't ask me why. You will understand why. But they have to play along. It's a game. As I said, it's a game. So let's let's play along with that. So it's a task for you. Could be I do not know. You say to uh, I, whatever I I cannot climb. I cannot go and um, going up the, the the mountain. I cannot climb the mountain or whatever. And so you can uh, say to them, okay, you find out what is next to you in the in, in in a place next to you. Something that you can, this 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 technical climbing over the you know, something mechanical that you can do yourself. So that you can start understanding that this is not something what you think it is difficult, it is not. Start with something which is as a practice for something that it is not related to your problem. And then you will see the domino effect in other aspects of your life. So this is important.
1: That's, that's interesting as well, Spiros, the domino effect, because by working on <laughs> one thing that you have a fear of, it might also impact other parts of your life that you weren't and unrelated,
2: aware of. and unrelated, and I add to you, and unrelated to perhaps the fact that you have come to see the codes. could be unrelated. And all of a sudden, by conquering that, it has a domino effect in all other aspects of your life.
1: Wow, and you go up three or four levels in your computer game.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: Fast track. <laughs> and tell me about... <clears throat> Um,
2: (laughs) This is something that I I really like. It was something for me to challenge myself. And it is a good thing that some people, because brains do not come with manuals, so it's a good thing that some people have thought about that and they have tried to to put um, perspective into, into how the brain works. And they have found out that there needs structure and there is a process. It's not the content of what we do, but it is the process of how we do something. So Aikido came into my life when I wanted to, to, to challenge myself to the next steps that I wanted to take, personal and professional. And as I did in the process, I realized that it does a number of things. It just it, it tightens the, the slack, it uh, strengthens the body, it polishes the spirit. So it's it, it works in all levels. And this is what I was in, intrigued about. And it has the exact same principles that both uh, neuro linguistic programming, the NLP works, and coaching works. So I found out many parallels between the two, and uh, I'm practicing as much as I can because if you want to understand, you act. <laughs> so this is the uh, you know the important thing, and mm. um, to me, and mm-hmm. it's for coaching as well. If you and want to understand, you act.
1: It's a martial art, is it Akito? It is. Yeah,
2: and it's not defensive. It's not, but it is not offensive either because this does not come into this, this, uh, into the conversation of Aikido. Uh, it's like you meet what someone is trying to do, let's say an attack, and then you meet and you redirect that energy to something that it is not harmful to neither that person or yourself.
1: Wow. So it's like
2: a different, so you make an understanding in the process. It's an understanding for the, for the other person as well that things could be really bad but they are not, and we still have time to think about it. Because the first thing that you need to do is start running away. You do not want to, 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 to defend yourself or attack anyone or anything like that. Okay, so this is the first thing. But in case that you are in such a situation, you do not have to harm anyone. And this is like a dance that takes place, that you redirect the energy of the attacker to something which is neutralizes, this energy, and it makes uh, safe both you and the other person. And that's what it was intriguing to me. And that's why I said that it, it has a lot of all the applications, the principles are the same with NLP as well as coaching.
1: Mm, and because coaching, I think, is often yeah. like that dance. that You know, you have yes, to find is. the rhythm the between the two. Yeah.
2: <laughs> when you have the answers, there is no dialogue anymore. The quest that unites people, in the in the words of Ellie Weisel, is uh, is is when there is there still the questions are there. This is the quest that unites you with the other person. This so you are a partner with the other person. Yeah,
1: yeah, a thinking partner.
2: <clears throat> a thinking partner, yes.
1: Yeah, a purposeful thinking partner.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Brilliant, Spiros. Thank you so much. So how does somebody connect with you if they'd like to learn more about what you do and maybe work with you?
2: I'm, I have a website, that, uh, which is my, my name, which is uh, perhaps difficult, spirosbusetis.com. And uh, yeah, this is the, the only way in a telephone number that, uh, that they can connect with me. And uh, it's very easy and uh, can be coaching can happen by Zoom or by, you know, live in the same place with the other person. Technology gives us a lot of opportunities right now.
1: It certainly does. Great. And I will put those details in the show notes as well, Spiros. Thank you Perfect. so much for that Thank you so much for sharing it.
2: It was a delight.
0: It really was. Thank you, Spiros.
2: Thank you. Thank you,
0: Susan. Thank you for listening today, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would enjoy it too. I believe we are all entitled to enjoy our work, and the future of work life will be changed by those who put people first, and create more fulfilling work lives for themselves, their colleagues, their teams and organisations. If you have any suggestions for topics you'd like to have covered, guests you'd like to hear from, or questions for me, please drop a line to susan at beyond And finally, please consider leaving a review.